Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. I worship you. Hey, everybody, I'm Andy Baylog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Bible Studies. Today, we're going to learn the true cost of discipleship by tackling some of the hardest things to hear that our Lord Jesus ever said. Let's listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Skipping ahead, Jesus added, So then, none of you could be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That was Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 27, and 33 to 35. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. First, let's use the SPACE method. SPACE is just an acronym that reminds us to consider the SP, speaker, A, audience, and C, context of a Bible reading before attempting an E, explanation. So when you put those letters together, we get the word space. Now, today we see that the speaker is Jesus Christ. The audience is, according to the first verse we read, verse 25, were large crowds or many crowds, sometimes also called the multitudes in Scripture. And these represented the nation of Israel. Since Jesus' ministry was to Israel, at this time, and it wasn't to the world yet. And the end of our reading, verse 35, gives us a clue to this as to who the ultimate audience was, and it tells us there, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jordan, quick question for you. What does this clue tell us? Yes, if you've been with us for a while listening to this show, you know that this is a sort of a kingdom flag, we call it. Whenever Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, He's speaking about spiritual ears, and that means that what he is saying is on the order of a parable. It's something for those with kingdom knowledge to understand. And he did this often because the multitudes, most of them, wouldn't be able to understand it. As a matter of fact, there's a part in the Bible where the disciples ask him, you know, why do you speak to them in parables or in this way? And he says, because it wasn't given to them to hear, you know. And he goes back and quotes Isaiah saying, particularly of the Jewish leaders, that Although they have ears, they can't hear, and though they have eyes, they can't see. So this is always a little, um, like a red flag in your Bible, if you will, or take a more positive color, a yellow flag, to let you know that what Jesus just said or is about to say is going to be something much deeper, and you have to put your spiritual goggles on, as we say sometimes, 
to uh, to be able to see it or your your spiritual headphones on to hear it. Yeah, that's a great answer, Jordan. And you know, it kind of you know reminds me of the of of maybe an instance where imagine somebody was to say on on a speakerphone, "Parle italiano" or "Sprechen Sie Deutsch." In other words, he's saying here, if you speak Spanish, go to lane seven, right? Yeah, right. So it's if you know the kingdom, if you understand the kingdom truths, which praise God, you and I do. And we know that our listeners do as well because they've been listening to the show and it's an honor to be able to share this information with them, these deeper truths, right? Just like Jesus said, freely you received, freely give. And praise God, we receive these truths and we want to pass them on. And then we want you to learn them so you can pass them on because there's great reward in them. So to your point, what Jesus is saying is, okay, anybody who knows the kingdom, focus on this area because there's something important here you need to know. Right. As for the sea part of space, the context, it's right after Jesus tells the parable of the dinner, and uh, the parable reads a bit like a short version of the parable of the marriage feast from Matthew 22. Um, Just to briefly summarize, the plot of the parable is that a wealthy man throws a big dinner and sends his server not to invite his esteemed guests, but all the guests make these lame excuses for why they can't attend. You know, one says, uh, I bought some land and I need to go look at it. Another one says, I bought some oxen and I need to try them out. And the third one says, hey man, I just got married. I need to, you know, attend to my wife. So the host gets really angry and he says to his servant, go out into the streets and invite the poor and crippled and blind and lame. So his servant does that. There's still room. So he tells the servant to also go out into the highways and along the hedges and invite those people as well. And the conclusion of the parable is the man saying, None of those men who were invited originally shall taste of my dinner. So, Andy, really quickly, why, what is the meaning of the parable, and how is it relevant to our lesson today? Sure, Jordan. So, you know, just to be brief here, first of all, the people that were invited were obviously friends of the, the person that was making this, this event, right? Meaning that today, there are probably people that already know Jesus. Anyone from a, a, a church attendee to a worker in a church to you know, the average Christian or even a pastor. And God is inviting them to go to this special event. But there were other things that were more important. Whatever they were is irrelevant. The point is that they had other things more important that weren't as important to going to this special event. Today, we translate that as going to the wedding feast of Jesus Christ. So what we're looking for everyone to understand today is that the meaning of this parable is that God is telling the reader that there's something more that is waiting for us once we're saved, that if we just make the effort to listen carefully, to study hard, and, and take our lead on this, I'm telling you, there's deeper truths that God wants us to know that are required, and it involves works, and it involves deeper study, and living righteously. And if you do these things, then God will allow you to enter into the wedding feast or the celebration of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and the other word that jumped out at me, knowing the parable of the wedding feast so well, was the, was the word highways, right? So what we see in, uh, there's lots of things going on here, and what you said for modern readers is absolutely true. Um, you, you Also looking at it in its direct context, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, and basically prophesying that they're going to reject, you know, the kingdom. They're going to reject the Messiah, the king, basically, and it's going to go to people who, who they look down on, you know, and eventually to the Gentiles. So there's, there's a lot going on there, a lot of depth in there, which is, which is why, again, we have to have our, our spiritual headphones on to, to hear it. Amen. So now that we've considered the speaker audience in context, Andy, we're ready to give an explanation. 
Let's break down this passage of Scripture. I'll read the first verse, maybe you can comment on it. Luke 14.25 says, Now large, or many, crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them. Okay, so Jordan, so what we see again is the crowds represent the nation of Israel. This often included the leaders of Israel, because if we look at Luke 14, verse 1, it reads, It happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees, i.e. members of the Sanhedrin, on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. Now, prior to verse 25, Jesus had just told two parables, the parable of the guests and the parable of the dinner, which we just covered. And the key points to note for our study are as follows. Jesus says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus also advises, when you give a reception, don't invite your relatives and rich neighbors because you might get a return invitation and, quote unquote, that will be your repayment. But instead, he says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And Jesus ends the parable with this statement, blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God. Yeah, so so putting that all together, that that was a nice summary, thank you, of uh, the parable of the guests, the parable of the dinner we talked about comes before that. Putting both of those parables together, and again, it's, it's noteworthy that Jesus is speaking to them in parables. We just went over why that was so critical. What's, what's the overall message here, and why was it so important for these leaders of the Sanhedrin to hear it? I believe, Jordan, that Jesus was calling out the Sanhedrin. He was kind of drawing a, a mark in the sand, a line in the sand, if you will, showing them that he knows their heart, he knows their, their ambition, and, and he's going to change that. He's going to change the narrative. So, you know, now Jesus is addressing the crowds, the many crowds, and following him around is what you see. And then he says something very provocative and difficult to hear. Yeah, that's uh, Luke 14, 26, which is the meat of our lesson today. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I mean, so this is the, the true cost of discipleship, Andy. And And to be 100% clear about that, Jesus uses the words later on, calculate the cost. That's in verse 28. You know, Jordan, um, just to clarify for everybody who's listening today, trust me, we're not saying we want you to leave your wife today. That's not what we're saying. However, everyone's life is different. Everyone's ministry grows at different rates. You know, everything's got to happen organically. We can't understand why things happen, but what we do know is that God has a plan. And there might be a situation one day where a parent, a sibling, a spouse might try, the enemy might try to use them to hinder you. So what Jesus is saying is that we must literally hate our family. No, that's not what he's saying. The NASB version of our, which we like to study, has an interesting footnote by the word hate, Jordan. Yeah, it says, by comparison of his love for me. And, And if you also look up the Greek word that's used here, it says it can also have the sense of, by extension, to love less. So, you know, when I, I, dug, I dug into this pretty deeply in, in Strong's to understand it, and um, one of the things that uh, the commentator said is that, you know, this is a very, Hebrew is a very, uh, sorry, Greek is a very passionate language. The way they were speaking here is very passionate in those times. 
So when we say hate, you know, we think of hate as hate. You know, it's a big, giant, capital, bold word that means like, you know, to hate on someone, anger. And in and, and, and their language, it was a passionate way of saying, it could be a passionate way of saying love less. Exactly. It could also mean angry hate. But in this context, he's saying you have to love those things less than me. For sure. I agree with that 100%. You took the words out of my mouth. And, you know, this sense of the word hate may also entail sacrificing earthly relationships if they're preventing us from following Jesus, of course, is, you know, what we were trying to talk about earlier, because remember what Jesus promised Peter in Mark chapter 10, verses 29 to 30, which says, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children for my sake and for the gospel's sake that will not receive a hundred times as much now in the present age and in the age to come, also known as the kingdom age or the millennial kingdom. So that's family. And then Jesus adds that he must hate, quote unquote, even his own life. And you know, that's interesting as it echoes another saying of Jesus. And you know, this one is from the gospel of John and it's in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 23, Jordan. Yeah, I'll read that. It says, and Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now the key verse, verse 25, he who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So Jordan, really quick, you know, what is Jesus saying here? And, and in, in Luke as well, I mean, what does it mean to hate your own life? Again, I think, you know, maybe a better word would be to despise or to make second or, you know, to, to really, and, and again, you know, we really have to get into this word translated life because it's so important. Um, we come back to this again and again, because in both cases, in the Greek, the, the, act, the word is actually soul. It can be translated as soul. So let's look at it this way. Loving one's life leads to losing one's soul. And hating one's life, that is, despising it in comparison to living for Jesus, leads to saving one's soul. So, this is about soul salvation, not spirit salvation. And what is soul salvation about? It's not about salvation into heaven, as we've discussed. It's about salvation into the kingdom. That's why Jesus says in verse 26, He who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. And again, if you go into the Greek there, more precisely, it's to life eternal age lasting, speaking of the kingdom age. Yeah, you know, Jordan, as we've learned in previous studies, that is a reference to the kingdom age, life in the kingdom. So in case it isn't clear, Jesus adds, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And it's clearly a doctrine of works here, obviously, right? This is not just grace. It's more than that. So it cannot be about spirit salvation, like you said, which is by grace and not works. So that, according to Ephesians 2, 9, no one may boast. I can't say, well, you know what? I believe in Jesus and I am the best Christian ever, you know? So because of that, I'm going to make it to the kingdom. No, it's, it's more than that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's about grace and, and, and not including works in that. So that's spirit salvation. And this interpretation of our scripture reading today is strengthened by these subsequent verses. Jordan, what are those verses? Yeah, Luke 14, 27, which comes right after, says, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's works. And if you jump down to verse 33 of Luke 14, it says, None of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. And that's, again, works. 
You know, and and in that last verse, once again, Jesus is being very provocative. If you remember back to the story of the rich young ruler, which actually occurs four chapters later here in Luke, Luke 18, Jesus told that rich young ruler to sell all of his possessions and distribute all of his belongings to the poor, and he would have treasure in heaven. And he said, and come follow me. And the Bible says that that rich young ruler went away very sad because he owned a lot of, of land and a lot of possessions. And even the 12, you know, the, the ones with the highest knowledge that have been given that knowledge by God or the eyes and ears to understand what Jesus was saying were shocked by this request. And they asked him, well, who can possibly, possibly be saved if that's the cost of discipleship? And Jesus says, with people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You know, amen, Jordan, those are some amazing points and so critical to understanding this probably more misinterpreted scripture than, than people would think, you know? And I think that's really one of the key points in our ministry is being able to, like we joke about it sometimes, but it's pretty serious. We, we ask people when they, you know, come on, come, you know, listen to us on the air or listen to our, our ministry for the first time streaming. You know, we jokingly say, put on your spiritual goggles. You know what I mean? Because we're going to go dive in deep today. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to look for some treasures. And, you know, it, it, it sounds a little funny, but it's so true because there are literally spiritual treasures waiting for us if we're willing to make that effort. And what we see today, what Scripture has shown us today, is that we need to understand, number one, that spirit salvation is different from soul salvation. Spirit salvation, in, in layman's terms, is our way of categorizing whether or not we will have everlasting life. Soul salvation, which requires more than just God's grace, but our works added to that. Or maybe in another way to say it, our submitting to the Holy Spirit that lives in us so that the Holy Spirit could have his way in our lives. Right. And then the result of that is when we get to the Bema Seed or the Judgment Seed of Christ one day, which will occur after the rapture, that we will be found worthy enough to enter the millennial kingdom to be joint heirs with Christ during his thousand-year kingdom. So bringing this all together, we're talking about sacrifice. We're talking about the, the willingness to submit to the Holy Spirit, to put everything on the side for God. Everything else is secondary. Everything. Yes, and uh, if this is the first time you're hearing about this distinction between spirit salvation and soul salvation, or perhaps you're still wrestling with the concept, just realize that none of the parables make any sense if you don't put them in the context of the kingdom and soul salvation. If you try to put them in the context of spirit salvation, and this is what I think, Andy, is going on in a lot of denominations today, you start, you start to put works with salvation, and that is anti-scriptural. We, we read the scripture from Ephesians. You can read it throughout, throughout the Word of God that there's nothing that we can do in terms of works, anything, you know, whether it's getting baptized or even, you know, by the sweat of our brow, to earn the gift of spirit salvation. Exactly. So that, if it's not about spirit salvation, the parables are not about that. And, he, and Jesus even says at the beginning of these parables that they're about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He, he tells you directly, this is going to be about the kingdom. Read them again with the idea of soul salvation and what we're talking about, qualification not justification, and it'll be, it'll be open to you, and you'll start to see what these different parables really mean. And we, and we saw two of them today. You know, Jesus was constantly speaking in parables, and so much of what he said and so much of what's in the Bible for you 
is is there only if you have those goggles on because they'll just gloss right over it or unfortunately some get the wrong false teaching out of it. You're 100% on it, Jordan. And I'll tell you this much since you mentioned the parables. Something to keep in mind, I highly recommend it. The Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, you could look at Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. It's kind of a prequel to all the parables. Right. So, if you look at it though, it's it's extremely difficult to be consistently obedient to all the rules and regulations that Jesus is presenting to his disciples, by the way, up on the mountain, Mm -hmm. while the rest of the world who was following him and believing him was at the bottom of the mountain. These are people that wanted to go the extra mile, and they were willing to climb the mountain with him, and it was a much smaller group to learn the Sermon on the Mount and all all the teachings thereof, and also the parables. So that being said, we definitely need to understand that the true cost of discipleship is to hate your family and your own life in comparison to your love and devotion to Jesus Christ. I mean, like you said earlier, I guess a, a, prob- a, a proper word would be despise them if you had to, you know? Again, and that's only if they're causing you to fall away from God in some way. Right. Put them on the side. God should come first. Yeah, you know, Jesus uh, wants us to give up all that we own, as well we heard today, and carry our own cross and follow Jesus. But you have to realize you can't do that because it's impossible for you to do. Just like Jesus said about the rich young ruler, and when the disciples reacted with shock at what he was saying, only God makes that possible. And that's the real takeaway today, Andy. We have to yield completely and let God work through us. Yeah, Jordan, you know, if we love our life here and cling to it, we will, according to Scripture, lose our life in the kingdom. Very important. Not everlasting life, right? but the thousand-year life that God will give to us if we earn it. And that's not for everybody. But praise God, this ministry is, our goal is to guide you through Scripture to be able to want to attain that, to work for that, and keep it and hold on to it. So if we let go of our life and love Jesus, God will be able to work through us and will gain life in his millennial kingdom. Yeah, he who has spiritual ears, let him hear. That's the deeper truth that Jesus was sharing, and that is our lesson. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple and to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show. I'm Steve Zioli. Until next time, may the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.